Welcome to Term 4 and Lesson 32. We are going to pick up where we left off on page 8 of Chapter 5. We are in John Chapter 1. And the Gospel of John begins, and I'm going to be reading from verses 1 through 3. I'm not going to hurry through this now. I need to slow down. Okay? Alright. It says, in the beginning, and this echoes Genesis 1.1, describing God's first creation. While this beginning is all about God's new creation. And what's more, John lets us know that before the universe began was the Word. And the Word was throughout eternity with God, and the Word was eternally God. Amen? Let's take a moment and think about that. This is who is going to come in flesh. God Himself. Yeah, it's a second member of the Godhead, but it's still God. Do you understand? People just don't get this. Alright? That's why we don't worship a prophet. We don't worship a really nice person. We don't worship religion. We worship the Creator. And it's interesting, it doesn't give a time period. You know, by saying, yeah, because you can't. And I think it's brilliant the way he says, in the beginning. Whenever that beginning was. Alright, and verse 2. He says, the same was in the beginning, that is face to face, in unity, harmony, and oneness with God. McDonald says that this verse teaches that Christ's personality and deity were without beginning. All things were made by Him. So unlike Genesis, the Apostle John actually tells us who the Creator was. And goes on to further drive the point home by saying, and without Him was not anything made that was made. That's a big statement. That's a huge statement. Alright? This tells us that Jesus Christ had a hand in everything. Alright? And so, when we are looking at... <laughs> this is the reason why... Let me, just, let, me, let me go at it a different way. If Jesus Christ created all things... Right, Colossians is going to tell us that as well, which I think we'll probably get... Yeah, we're going to see that in a minute. Then everything is subject to Him. Every religion, every religious leader, every idealist, every scientist that thinks they're God and want to create stuff, everything is sub subject to Him. Okay? He is the Creator. He is the Supreme Being. Do you understand? And that's the reason why He says, Come to Me. All those who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Okay? We need to understand that the Creator is saying, I know you. I built you. You are unique in ways that you don't even realize. And we need to realize something. And one of the things that I want to do in some future time is to actually talk about your uniqueness. And talk about how uniquely God has made you. And the things that we think are flaws and the things that the world has said, oh, you know, that's a defect or that's something that, that, that puts you on a lesser level. 
you know, they sort of have all these levels and all these, you know, there's the genius and there's the idiot and everything else to understand. God created everybody perfectly. Listen carefully. You need to develop in the things that you were created to do. If we don't tell you that, and we say, oh, for our limited understanding of things, for our limited mentality, for our limited vision, on our measuring stick, you come out as stupid, you're not going to do anything with your life. Because I've told you you're stupid now. I've told you that you don't fit in anywhere, and you know, there's not much hope for you, and you know, what's the point? And that's Satan's way of destroying God's creations. And one of the things I'm going to do and help you with in time to come is see your uniqueness. This is not my stuff, okay? But I know how to learn from others and I know how to bring it to you. And I'll bring it to you. And I'll let you know who, it, who it's coming from. I always give credit to the people that I get things from. Hence all the quotes. Hey man, I, you know, I respect people who have done the work. And I need you to know something. That as God created, and everything that God created, and everybody that's on this planet, there's a perfection in them that they still haven't discovered. You need to be saved. You need to be born again. And that plugs you in to the source that will allow you to become perfect. And there is a perfection to be had. And you'll be perfect for who you are. And you will never compare yourself with anybody else again. Do you understand? That's to come. Pray over that, please. It's a long road. It's a lot of work. Okay. Anyway, that's not this course. But that's who this course and the person we're looking at created. And you need to know, his creations are not wrong. There's nothing wrong with them. Nothing wrong with you. You just need to know how to approach it. The creation that is in you. Okay, moving on. So again it says here, And without Him was not anything made that was made. Now note the contrast. He Himself was not created. Rather He was the Creator of all things. Did you catch all of that? See this is the reason why it says He was in the beginning. He created all things. He wasn't created in the beginning, and then He went on to create things. We need to recognize this. Because everything that we have knowledge of was created. Do you understand? Every human being, everything was created in some form or another. He never was. Got it? Let's move on. In his commentary, William Hendrickson writes... This gospel opens magnificently. It begins by portraying the life of Christ in eternity, before the world was. That life was rich and glorious, filled with infinite delight and serene blessedness in the presence of the Father. Can you just imagine? Just in the presence of God all the, all the time. My goodness, God is love. God is light. You're in the very midst of life and light and love. Just everything wonderful. It's only when you see this, once this truth is grasped, the condescending love of Christ in becoming flesh will be appreciated more fully. It's only when you realize how much He gave up 
Amen? That we'll stop whining. <laughs> it's another way of putting it. Alright, so, added to this, the full life study Bible says that John begins his gospel by calling Jesus the Word. That's the Greek word logos. In using this designation for Christ, John presents him as the personal Word of God. I like that. He is the personal Word of God. It's not an impersonal Word. This is God in person. It's His personal Word about Himself. Do you understand? Alright, that's why it's so significant. When Philip said, show us the Father, he said, you're looking at Him. Everything that I have done, and see, this is what people miss. They totally miss that point. Jesus is saying, everything that I have done, everything that I am, Every time I reacted to a certain situation in a certain way, that is God's heart and mind on it. If people ever came to me and I said, oh no, I will not heal you, then that's what God is like. If on the other hand, every single time somebody came to me and said, if you will, you can make me whole. And if every single time I reached out and I touched lepers that nobody else would touch, if I reached out and loved people and healed them and, and just... Just bless them at every turn. Then that is what the Father is like. And all your ideas about the Father up to now, if they don't line up with that, get rid of them. Do you understand? That's why he said, if you've seen me, if you've seen me, if you've seen how I work, if you've seen how I respond to people that are hurting, if you've seen that, then you know how God feels. If I forgave the worst sinner because they were repentant, then God will forgive the worst sinner if they're repentant. Do you hear me? Amen? Things to come. Let's keep going. Alright. So again he says, John presents him as the personal word of God and indicates that in these last days God has spoken to us by His Son. That's in Hebrews 1, verses 1 through 3. The Scriptures declare that Jesus Christ is the manifold wisdom of God. Those are all the Scripture references there. And the perfect revelation of the nature and the person of God. Just as a person's words reveal his heart and mind, Christ, as the Word, reveals the heart and mind of God. Amen? Okay. That's why it's so important to look at the life of Christ. See, a lot of times people have said, Oh, brother, you need to be in the New Testament. Because the, the Gospels are still a part of the Old Testament. Absolutely. I, I don't know if you realize it or not. It's only after the day of Pentecost that the real New Testament begins. After Jesus died and resurrected. That's when it begins. Alright? They call it the intratestamental period. It's kind of like a between Old and New Testament, the life of Christ. But do you know that he operated under the Old Covenant? He hadn't died yet. <coughs> Interesting, isn't it? He hadn't died yet. So he hadn't died so that he could do all the stuff that he needed to do after he was dead. That's why he said, greater things shall you do. Okay, because once he died, something incredible was going to happen. A new creation was going to come on the scene. Oh, if we just understood what happened. We'd be done with this by now. I mean, totally done with it. But, getting back to my uh, uh, previous point, the reason that we are studying the life of Christ 
is because he revealed God's thoughts. He revealed how God looked at everything, every situation, and he taught us what God would teach us. Do you understand? That's the reason why it is only after we do this will then we be able to open our doors and move forward as a church. That's the reason why we don't know it yet. We don't know enough yet. I know now it isn't about business. We can business grow this church. I, you know, okay? I don't want to business grow this church. I want to spiritually grow this church. I want to grow this church God's way. I want to grow it the way Jesus would have grown it if he was here. And the only way I can do that is to learn about Him. And the only way we're going to do that is to learn about Him. We need to have His mind. Amen? When we say we have the mind of Christ, we really need to know how He thinks, what He did. We need to be able to look back on His entire life and go, I know how Jesus would have responded to this. That was the one question that I was told to ask myself whenever I got in a bind. What would Jesus do in this situation? And you know what? I didn't know. I could imagine, but that's my imagination. That's not what Jesus actually did. Come to find out later on, all the things I imagined He did, He didn't do. <laughs> okay? Which shocked me. Family, we need to know how He thought, what He did, and all the intricacies that surrounded everything He said and did. Amen? That's why we are not just going to deal with the life of Christ. We are going to deal with everything He said. That's why I say, it's going to take a little while to get through it. But once you're through it, you'll know it. Amen? In fact, Leon Morris says, that the word points to the truth that it is of the very nature of God to reveal Himself. Isn't that beautiful? The word, okay? in the beginning was the word, points to the truth that it is the very nature of God to reveal Himself. God is not trying to hide Himself from His creation. But His creation doesn't want to know about Him. That's the problem He is having. Do you understand? Not here, needless to say, you are all at Bible school, but you know, mostly people just have, you know, they have this, you know, religion is for Sundays. But let's not get extreme now. I don't know how you can't. This stuff is about you. It's everything to do with your life. In his commentary, R. Kent Hughes says that the exact meaning is that the word was God. In essence and character. He was God in every way. Though he was a separate person from God the Father. The phrase perfectly preserves Jesus' separate identity while also stating that He is God. This was His continuing identity from all eternity. He was God constantly. Amen? So what we see is in just three verses, the Apostle John letting us know that Jesus Christ is not just a good man or a prophet of God, like John the Baptist was, but God Himself. Never created, eternally existent, greater than time, and the reason everything exists. Amen? Amen. And Jesus Himself bears uh, this out in John 17 and 5 when He says, And now, O Father, glorify Me together with Yourself. 
with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Yeah, there it is, okay? I mean, it's just there. It's all there. Amen? We'll see that verse in more detail when we get to it. Might spend a while on that one. Anyway, therefore, according to John, nothing higher can be said about the word. Did you get that? Nothing higher can be said about the word. And nothing less than God will do for our understanding of the word. Amen. Especially since verse 3 said that all things were made by Him and without Him was not anything made that was made. This means everything owes its existence to Him. And why the Apostle Paul said in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16, For by Him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Him and for Him. Now that's a really, really key phrase. Alright? Let me just share a little bit on that. Alright? Notice, when it said all things were created by Him, the Apostle Paul clarifies that. And substantiates it by saying everything that you can see and what you can't see. Which means as a whole creation... That you can't see. There are things that... And can I just extend this out to you a little bit more? Than what you normally think about? What you can't see also exists in this realm. There are some things that you can't see until you put it under a microscope. Everything that was created. Everything that you can see. Everything in this natural realm that you can see and that you can't see. And everything in the spiritual realm which you can't see. Everything was created by Him. You know, we are learning more and more about um, atoms and electrons and molecules and all that sort of stuff. Uh, they're finding more and more things now because of this particle accelerator they have going. and It's, it's shocked them now, some of the things they haven't found. Because they were believing, you know. Oh, this is man in his arrogance again. Yes, we know what began. You know, we know how the world began. We know how the universe began. We know how life began. And it didn't work. Uh, so yeah, looking for the God particle. I mean, really? Seriously? I know. You know, it's just, it's a contradiction in terms, really. You know, in a funny way. Because God created the particles. Hello. Okay. <laughs> but it's interesting that they're, they're learning more and more about things that we can't see. And they're learning more about, and they're, and they're experimenting on things. And, you know, I've had to keep up with it because of my kids. Um, <laughs> just about things that we've just taken for granted and, and thought we knew so much about. Now they're saying, okay, there's more stuff there than we thought. This is just a very dumbed-down version, okay? And, and things that, that do with electricity and magnetism and gravity and all those things. That, you know, what, what causes all those things? And, and they're finding more things. If I could just say, particles and stuff, okay? Beyond the atom, beyond the protons and the neutrons and so, so on, okay? Without going into detail. All of those are His creations. All we're doing is discovering things. 
And it's very interesting. Somebody that is in the scientific field said that the further we go into these things, the more and more people are starting to turn. Scientists are starting to turn toward God. They're beginning to turn towards the Creator because they're beginning to see further in to the creation and beginning to realize how, how impossible this would be to be randomly there. And how impossible it would be for the thing to work so accurately just out of a random nature. It is just ridiculous. It's like finding a watch and, you know, you can, and, and for, you know, suddenly being able to take the back off. And you see all the intricate working on the inside and you think, uh, I don't think just, this just came about through evolution. I think somebody made this. <laughs> you, know? you know what I'm trying to say? They're getting to that place now. All things were created by Him. Visible and invisible. Alright, the quote just came up from the back. Science done right, he said, points to God. And that's exactly right. And what we're finding is that science is catching up to God. That's all it is. The stupider we were, the more we didn't believe God existed. The smarter we are becoming, and I mean real smart. Okay, not the way the world measures it, but I mean the way the Bible calls smart. The, more, the smarter we are becoming, in Bible terms, which is the ultimate level, the more we're beginning to see God in everything. And I honestly believe in about... 30 or 40 years from now, people will laugh at the concept of evolution. They will laugh at the fact that people even thought God didn't exist. They will actually ridicule the very people that are at the moment ridiculing us. And that the day is coming. Because the truth always, always rises to the top. Amen? Because what true can change, but the truth never changes. Do you understand? Wish I had time to explain that. Oh, anyway, let's just move on. This is in perfect harmony with Revelation 4.11, where the Apostle John says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things. For Thou hast created all things. And for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Do you not have this verse? You do? Okay, alright. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a song, doesn't it? Mm. Okay. <laughs> oh, don't get me singing that song now. Alright, so, <laughs> returning to John chapter 1. The Apostle John now shifts the emphasis from Jesus Christ being the Word to Jesus Christ being the life. And says in verse 4, In Him was life that is everlasting, referring to the fullness of God's essence. And the Apostle now switches from the life that was in Christ, that is in Him was life, to Christ actually being the life. And says the life, Jesus Christ, was the light of men. Alright, so let's go back over that, alright? <laughs> so, it's, there's a lot in that verse. Alright, so he begins by saying, in Him was life. Alright, so the fullness, the essence of God, in Him was life. Life was in him. Do you understand? But he says, it then switches to the place where it says, not only was life in him, but he is life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Did you get that? If he is the life, 
then the very air you breathe, the very life you have, comes from Him. He is not a life, He is the life. Amen? Okay. And notice He says, and the life was the light of men. William MacDonald writes, the same one who gave us life is the one who provides us with light for the pathway we travel. It is one thing to exist, but quite another to know how to live and to know the true purpose of life. Not only does God give us life, but the Bible says that He directs our path. See, a lot of times we don't realize that if we are living, if we have life, and if we have the life of God in us, then we can expect to be guided. We don't have to really ask for guidance. We just need to acknowledge that He is wanting to guide us. That the guidance is always there. Do you understand? That He's always talking to us. That He's always saying, left here, right there, keep going, stop. Whatever it is, He is constantly talking to us. It is as we pray that we turn our antenna to actually pick it all up. We're like little radios, you know. The station is constantly sending out a signal, we're not always picking it up. When we get into a prayer, we actually tune in. Do you understand? Alright? Now yes, we do need to ask. But you need to understand that He knows what you're going to ask before you ask. He's already got the answer. He knows what's on your heart. You need to open up and say something. Amen? And then expect, receive, and move on, knowing that He's already answered it. It's a very hard thing to explain to you. I'm so sorry, but it's a very hard thing to explain. Alright? You need to ask. It's, it's like First John 1 John 1.9. You know how it says, if you confess your sin? It, it actually means if you acknowledge your sin. It's, yeah, okay? You need to sort of understand that He knows that you've sinned. He, you don't need to confess it, you need to acknowledge it. If you acknowledge it, the, 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 the forgiveness is there, the cleansing is there, everything is there. But if you don't acknowledge it, even though all of it is there, you won't get it. In the same way, if you acknowledge Him, all the wisdom you're looking for, all the provision you're looking for, is just there. In, in acknowledging Him, you are aligning yourself to receive it all. That's all you're doing. So that's why you don't have to beg and scratch. And Jesus says, you know, look at the birds, man. I mean, God's looked after them, the flowers of the field. How much more, how much more valuable are you than they? Do you understand? We, we, we just need to... It's one of those concept things. I do hope you get it. I, you know what? I confess that you do. I believe and receive that you do. Jesus' name, you're a smart class. You're a bunch of geniuses. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, my wife. Okay. <laughs> All right. Moving on. <laughs> Got five minutes. Therefore, it is Jesus Christ as the life that also brings us the light in the form of wisdom, guidance, revelation, and understanding. And why John 8.12 says, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. It's very clever the way it's put together, isn't it? Amen? Well, we will look at that in detail when we get to that verse. In his commentary, Leon Morris writes, 
It is the function of light. Listen carefully to this. You're going to love this. It is the function of light to shine precisely in the darkness. To oppose darkness. To dispel darkness. These are fighting words, man. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Your purpose is right there. It is exactly your purpose to dispel darkness. It is, don't run away from the thing. Isn't that stupid when a light bulb runs in the opposite direction in a, from a dark room? Hello? <laughs> okay? I mean, the whole reason we have the light is because it's dark. Amen? And we need to turn the light on. And that's when the darkness dispels. Let me read this again. Think about yourself now, okay? It is the function of light to shine precisely in the darkness. To oppose darkness. To dispel darkness. That's what you're called to do. Amen? And I don't mean oppose people. Alright? Because they're slaves to darkness. I mean the darkness itself. I mean Satan himself. Do you hear me? Amen. To this John MacArthur adds, Morally, light refers to holiness or purity. It's in 1 John 1.5. While darkness refers to sin or wrongdoing. Don't think I have to explain that. Alright. We will see this over and over again in the way that Jesus, the light, exposes the darkness, that sin and wrongdoing, of the religious leaders, and sets people free with the life-giving message he preaches to them that brings the light in the form of hope and revelation into their life. Amen? Alright. Added to this, there's one further more literal application to John 1.4, brought out in the following scriptures. Firstly, in 1 John 1.5, the Apostle John says, God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. Secondly, in Genesis 1.26, God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Thirdly, Genesis 2.7, it said that the Lord God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Did you get all that? So we have God is light. God saying, let us make man in our image and likeness. And then he breathed. Into us. His life. Remember his life is light. They're, they're one and the same thing. Do you understand? It's, it's interesting. Somebody, um, one, some of the scientists are. This is a theory that's out there. They're saying that everything came from light. Interesting isn't it? When you see what the Bible says. That God is light. They say everything came from light. Interesting. Anyway. Putting all this together, since God is light, and since we were made in His image and likeness, then the moment that God breathed His life into us, we receive both His life and light, or glory. And why it says in Psalm 8 and verse 5, For you made us only a little lower than God, and you crowned us, you crowned us with glory and honor. This was our covering. Ever wondered why we didn't have a covering? Birds have feathers, fish have scales, and we <laughs> have leaves. No, <laughs> no okay. <laughs> Something was amiss, alright? No, we were covered as well. We lost our clothing. We have the same clothing God had. And we lost it at the fall. It's very sad. 
That's the reason that Jesus himself said in Matthew 13, verse 43, about our final end, then the righteous will shine forth as the sun. When are we going to believe this? When are we going to believe that? Huh? He wasn't talking figuratively. This is the same person on the Mount of Transfiguration stood there and just shone. And everybody went, whoa! Hmm? When he says something, we need to listen, man. The righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Many people don't have ears to hear that. Alright, I'm going to have to stop because I have run out of time. Um, We'll pick up in Matthew 17 when Jesus was transfigured next week and continue on. That was a big thought there. I should have maybe left it for next week. All right, let's stop there.